Welcome to the Bruins Benders podcast with Maddie and Smitty. It is episode 15. We entitled this one Marshan versus Jari. You can follow us on Twitter at Bruins Benders, also on Instagram, and like us on Facebook. And uh, we are brought to you by the Inside the Rink podcast network. InsideTheRink.com is your one stop shop for all your NHL news, insight, and analysis. And follow them on Twitter at inside underscore the underscore rink. And we are sponsored by Lops Brewing. Lops is a brewery and tasting room in downtown Woonsocket, Rhode Island, specializing in small batch ales and lagers. It's open seven days a week, and you you can use the coupon code SPORTS to get 10% off your online order. Go to lopsbrewing.com and follow them at Lops Brewing for new beers and events and spitty smitty. Spitting, spitting the sponsorship <laughs> with uh, BetUS. Yeah. <laughs> if I if I had any kind of rap flow, I would try to do that right now, but I don't, so I won't. Uh, yeah, BetUS has your NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and yes, NFL betting lines up for their 27th year of live betting. Super Bowl, the big game. I guess we can't say Super Bowl, get sued or something. Right. The big right. game's yeah. coming up. Uh, so sign up for betus.com, B E T U S.com, with the promo code RINK for 125% sign up bonus. Again, use the promo code RINK for your sign up bonus of 125%. Play with the proven mainstay in the industry, BetUS. You bet, you win, you get paid at betus.com. I wonder if anybody bet on the All-Star game, the NHL All-Star game, which happened on February the 5th. And that begins our weekend review. February 5th, the All-Star game, I think it's time to be done with it. The game itself, it's not hockey. The Pro Bowl was not football. Get rid of it all. Have the skills competition at 3 p.m. on, on Saturday instead. Add, it, add to it a little bit. Build it up. Show your skilled players. And really make that the focus because the game just isn't worth watching. I agree with you. I don't think the game's worth watching at all. Uh, it's not real hockey. No one's trying. Uh, no one wants to get hurt. The best moment from the entire weekend was Trevor Zegers in the breakaway challenge where he does the dodgeball thing. He has the mascots throwing the dodgeballs at him. He does this wild one-handed, you know, turn spin thing blindfolded like Peter LaFleur was in dodgeball, buries the shot, and then he doesn't win. Because they allowed John Hamm to give Alex Pietrangelo a 19 for his breakaway. Right. 1 to 10, they give him a 19. And they allow that because, because you know, Pietrangelo won a cup for, for, the, for the Blues, which, you know, John Hamm was a big fan of. So, uh, you know, fuck John Hamm. Fuck Pietrangelo. <laughs> fuck the St. Louis Blues. <laughs> fuck the refs for not calling a penalty when the puck, when the puck went out of play. Fuck the league. (laughs) Fuck everybody. If you can't tell, I'm still a little bit bitter that they lost game seven of the cup finals to St. Louis. Don't call that tripping pedaling on a chower either. Yeah. Don't call any of that. I mean, what an absolute joke. The best moment of the weekend, and he didn't win. I mean, how to to just fuck everything up? How to just mess everything up? I mean, honestly, I mean, that, that should be the talk of the whole thing. And again, do things like that. Show you, show your personalities. And we talked about that last week, you know, the NHL needs more personalities. So let's, let's, let's showcase the personalities and Trevor Zeker is showing his personality coming up with a creative thing. He's scoring a great goal. He's had Michigan goals. I mean, he's, 
one of your one of your new kids on the block, yeah, superstar young players. Well, let's and he's in Anaheim, which sucks. No one's going to watch him. So why don't you showcase him here? That that's what I'm saying. And I and I don't want to see any type of remnants of a hockey game that just isn't hockey. Either that or put it outside somewhere in like a pond hockey type of atmosphere. Everybody's wearing scarves and winter jackets and, yeah. and let them play that type of thing and make it, make it that type of thing. Because I don't, I just don't care for the game at all. It's, it's stupid. It's not real hockey. Um, all right. So now we go to February 8th tonight versus the Pittsburgh Penguins. And what a disappointing loss, a 4-2 to two loss to the Penguins, a 2 to nothing lead after one. The Bruins played really well in the first. I thought had some good jump. Parsonar gets two goals. And it looks like they're really going to head to a win to start off the second half of the season here. Pittsburgh had only tra- had, had trailed after one period the least of any team in the league. So they are used to having the lead after one. So you really thought you were in good shape here. But then a terrible second period. This is the type of thing that's happened to this team in the past. Then you get two goals from Dan Heinen, of all people. So now we have to hear about that and how we need Dan Heinen back. Uh, one of them was a bad giveaway. The other one that you know Jeremy Swayman has to have. And Bruce Cassidy, after the game, I just saw the post game, and he was really candid about. He said basically their goalie made more stops than ours, and that we. Made, and he said he, they needed a save a few times in the interview. Uh, he said that they weren't a perfect team and they're going to turn it over here and there and you need a big stop. And I think that that's been happening for some of the year, to be honest. And we've said it before. Then the eventual game winner by Crosby, a terrible defensive play by Forbort and Carlo, uh, who are a mess, I thought, tonight. Uh, it's just a bad loss. They had it. And now Patrice Bergeron take, has an injury. I'm not sure his status. And then Brad Marchand loses his cool. Probably gets a, he will get a hearing now because it was a match penalty. And the Bruins are five four and one in their last ten. Yeah, it was a bad loss, and it turned into a bad bad night. Uh, it was their first loss in regulation when having a two goal lead at any point. So that's cool. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. They had a bad eight minutes in the second period. Heinen scores two goals in you know whatever it was thirty seconds or whatever. Then Crosby scores you know seven or eight minutes later, uh, they still outshot the Pens 18-8 in the second period. So they still mm. basically dominated the entire period and got outscored three zip. So mm. that there's your, you know, need a big save at a big time. Right. Um, you know, Bergeron gets hurt. Martian gets the match penalty. It's an automatic review. So he's already been suspended once, whether we agreed with that suspension or not. He's a repeat offender now. So he's probably looking at a few games. He probably is. Uh, stupid, stupid play by him. I mean, he had some kind of little, during a commercial break, a little, you know, Jari's trying to throw a puck into the crowd and Marchand skates by and knocks it off his stick and steals the puck from him. And everybody kind of laughed at it at the time. But then I think that escalated at the end when Jari said something to him and then Marchand gives him, you know, a right to the jaw, knocks him down. Jari flops like a fish, like, you know, all goals he would do. And then when he's skating away, he pokes him in the face with a stick. I mean, just mm. stupid. Just stupid yeah. crap. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and then it, then there's the word that Rask is, is you know, possibly going to retire. You know, he's not going to try to <laughs> battle us. So, I mean, 
What a what an awesome Tuesday night! What a great <laughs> what a great start to the second half of the year. I mean, yikes! Yeah. Jesus Christ! We were, we were fired up about the second half of the season. It looked good in the first period, and then all of a sudden, a guy retires, a guy gets hurt, a guy gets suspended. Hey, <laughs> yeah, I mean, terrific! Yeah, like it turns on a dime. Yeah, yeah. What a wonderful Fantastic. what a wonderful fucking Tuesday in January, in February, right? Right. Jesus. I'll tell you that the Bruins, the Bruins have a few games in hands with with some teams above them, but they they are losing they are losing that those 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 games now like so now now you're in that spot where you're kind of in fourth for a while like you can't lose points like that you have to win these two points against the penguins who are a surging team and they're up to 64 points and tied for second in the metro now uh with the rangers so they're they're surging uh and the bruins are you know they're kind of mediocre right now five four and one in the last 10 as we said so um they're gonna have to start uh, stringing some wins together and they may have to do it without you know, two of their, you know, top liners and, and now without uh, Tuka Rask. Uh, all right, time now for seven chirps. And this is where we answer seven burning questions about the Bruins in the league. And the first one, the Winter Classic will be back at Fenway Park next year on January 1st. And will be the Bruins versus a team to be determined. John Henry owns the Penguins. There's rumors that it could be the Penguins. This would set up a very interesting New Year's Day. It would. Uh, I'm happy that the Bruins got the Winter Classic back. I enjoyed it. I've been to both of the ones that have been held locally. As have, as it, oh, you, you didn't go to the first one. Did I you? went to Gillette. I didn't yeah. go to Fenway. Um, so I had a great time at both of the events. I, I love it. I love the outdoor game, um, especially when the Bruins are a part of it. I mean, the rest mm-hmm. of the league is probably going to hate this, but it's kind of like the Blackhawks being in all of them. The Bruins have seemed to... Uh, get quite a bit of these. Um, but I, I love it. I, it is going to be interesting to see, you know, John Henry in his box, who he's, who he's cheering for, you know, when right. Crosby dumps Bergeron like he did tonight is, you know, is he going to stand up and be like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be a problem or it shouldn't, shouldn't have been a problem if he didn't own the network that carries the Bruins games. Like it, like he owns the the Red Sox, the Fenway Sports Group. There's no real affiliation with that to the NHL or the Bruins. So it, if they didn't own Nesson and they didn't carry the games, I don't think it's as big a deal. Because what argument do you have? He doesn't have any affiliation to the Bruins. But but since they're on the friggin' network, that throws a whole wrench into it. Uh, I think it'll be the Penguins because I think the league. You know, you know what? The league should take advantage of it, and it should be the Penguins. It should be because it, because then there'll be all sorts of talk about it and you can have John Henry in there and the whole thing. I mean, it, it would give them some publicity and some, some national publicity, maybe, maybe bring in some new viewership from other sports and such. So they should, but it is going to be an interesting, you know, week or so leading up to that. And all the talk about John Henry and the Penguins and Nesson, you know, being owned by the Fenway Sports Group, so I'm 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 glad the classic is back. I liked it better. Of course, I only saw it at Gillette, but it's just better viewing at Gillette. I would think it was absolutely, by, absolutely know. was. And in Fenway, there's some really bad bad areas to sit, but the atmosphere is is everything. And when it comes to that game, uh, all right, number two, what happened to the league cracking down on dangerous hits? You know, we've seen the Bruins take a few dangerous hits this this year. Some, you know, not many of them have been suspendable. Or hearings, Garnet Hathaway doesn't get a hearing for his hit. So, you know, it seems as though they've backed off on the, you know, being aggressive on the discipline for dangerous hits. I think they have backed off on it. I, I really don't think 
they care all that much, at least when it comes to the Bruins. Uh, and maybe that's just, you know, me having black and gold glasses on, but it seems like it's been going that way for a while. Like whenever the right. the Bruins seem to get liberties taken with them, it, it doesn't seem to matter to the league. Uh, and then when the Bruins do it to someone else, it seems that there's, uh, you know, discipline coming from it. Um, like the Marchand thing tonight, if that's a player on a player and not a player on a goalie, like that shit happens all the time. You're in a scrum. Somebody gives somebody a punch in the face. Like, that happens all the fucking time. Like no, I don't, I, I don't understand why that's a match penalty. I mean, I uh, get it. Yeah. It should have been a penalty, and he shouldn't have put his stick in his face. But he was the guy was fine. Like, let's not pretend that he was hurt. I mean, if you want to call a penalty, even though it was accidental, call a penalty when Zidane, when when Sidney Crosby trips Patrice Bergeron and interferes with him. I mean, it's yeah. a penalty. I don't care if it's accidental or not. The guy yeah, fell down, banged his head. Right. That's a penalty. It's a penalty. It doesn't have to be, it can be incidental and still be a penalty. Right. Like it, can, it can be an accident. Uh, otherwise, you just skate around all over the ice tripping people. Oh, it was an right. accident. Oh, I didn't mean yeah, it. My, it my like, skate yeah, was yeah, behind his skate. I mean, yeah, I mean he, you could yeah. slew foot people all over the fucking rink and it could, you know, and everything's fine. Everything's cool because you didn't mean to do it. I mean, I guess that works for PK Subban. So and right. maybe that's how they how they want to do it. There was a play earlier on the game where Oscar Steen went hard to the net. And I don't know if it was Matheson or someone kind of clipped his, his foot from behind. He yeah. barreled into the net. So mm-hmm. that's, that's a trip to me. It that's is. A trip. I mean, sure. That's, he should be in the box for that. That's a trip. He may not have tried to do it, but he skated right into his, the back of his skate and tripped him into the net and went barreling into the net. Yeah. That's a penalty. It, it is. He, you know, the puck was kind of near there, too, so it was an opportunity. That should be a penalty. Yeah, I mean, it was a scoring chance for the Bruins. It should be a penalty. Yeah, should be. Yeah, it should be. Um, all right, question number, chirp number three. Your reaction to Rocky Wartz, this is the chairman and the owner of the uh, Chicago Blackhawks, and he uh, really sort of came unglued when asked uh, from a reporter about what, I guess, how they're handling you know, protecting their players going forward and if they've made any changes within the organization when it comes to the sexual assaults that have happened in the past. And uh, it's just been sort of a train wreck in the Chicago Blackhawks organization. Rocky, you know, just sort of blew it off and was rather snippy. Yeah, he didn't hit. I mean, that guy's a jackass. Like, he, he yeah. should be, he should have resigned. Like, that was embarrassing. I mean, that was a fucking embarrassment. You, you, you say you're going to be more transparent and then you're like, well, we're not going to talk about it ever again. Well, right. which one is That's it, dude? So I mean, it's yeah. not true. Is that how, is that your transparency? We're just not going to mention it ever again. So we're transparent because we're not going to talk about it. So you're not going to hear anything about it. There's our transparency. We're not going to say anything. So you won't hear anything, but we're, we're <laughs> it's all out there, but we're just not going to talk about it. Yeah, there's a way to answer it without having to answer it. Like there, there's a way to, I mean, you should be prepared to answer that question. Absolutely. You know yeah. You know, so there's a way to answer it without giving all sorts of information, but there's a, is a way to, to say it and say it so that you, you feel like you, you care or you're, you're coming across like you care and that you're really trying to make some changes and you, you understand the, the, how important it is and, and how, um, damaging it was and just to blow it off like that and say that we're not going to talk about it is just 
to me, it was incredible. Like I just sat there and was like, I can't believe this guy is saying anything. And then Gary Bettman, the commissioner, you know, basically backs him up and tries to support him by saying, well, you know, it's, you know, he's under a lot of pressure and all this yeah, stuff. Under a lot of pressure, kind of heat of the moment. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just, you know, he, he didn't mean it, but you know, give him a break kind of thing. I just think the whole thing was again, fumble city by the NHL. I mean, it's, some of these guys really look like morons. Yeah. I mean, that, it, it was, it was an absolute joke. I mean, why isn't anybody asking him why he was pissy? Right. Yeah. Maybe you should. I mean, it's maybe, <laughs> maybe should. Uh, all right. Question number four, we're going to go through, I did a mid season report card on inside the rink.com, which you can get on, on the website. Uh, it's about a week or so ago. And we talked about who well, I wrote about the grades for each of the players on the team. So we'll start with the uh, defenseman. Okay. What would you give for a grade for, say, let's start with Charlie McAvoy? I think Charlie McAvoy is a solid A. Yeah. I don't think he's an A-plus because I feel like, uh, you know, there's a little bit more offensively there. But um, I would right. I would say if he's not the best 200-foot defenseman, you know, all zones, all um, situations in the league, he's top two or three. So, um, you know, there's other guys that are better offensively that, you know, might win the Norris, you know, Makar, uh, Adam Fox, Hedman even. Um, but if you want to talk about the complete defenseman, front to back, McAvoy, A. Yeah, and I, and I agree. I think McAvoy uh, is one of the top defensemen in the league. And I think he, for the most part, I mean, 95% of the time, he's played like it. And I agree with you. We looked for more offense coming into the season. He has provided it. I think there's still a little more there. Yeah. Uh, particularly 515. Like, I think that 515, he could jump into the play maybe a little bit more here and there. He could shoot the puck more, certainly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as a defenseman, I mean, he logs tons of minutes, and he's he's been he's been really, really good for them. So I, I said A as well. How about Matty Grizzly? I had him in a B minus. Okay. I would I would say Matty Grizzly, maybe a maybe a B. I would say he's been a B, B minus. Yeah, I mean, B minus is probably good. I think that's probably good. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, at the beginning of the year, he had some struggles. Yeah. With the puck, some wasn't really providing, you know, the offensive puck movement that he has in the past. I think the minutes were kind of wearing on him a little bit. It was an adjustment for him. He had some different pairings as they were trying to figure that thing out. Um, so, but I think he is, he has come back to pretty much his form now. And recently I think he's played better and more like Matt Grizzlick. I agree a hundred percent. I feel like, um, He's dynamic, especially when paired with McAvoy. The two of them together are one of the best, um, you know, pairings in the NHL. So, right. yeah. And I, I had uh, Mike Riley at a C. I think that Riley recently has been better offensively. More of the guy we saw when he, they first acquired him, moving the puck. Uh, today he had some good zone rushes where he mm-hmm. he got to the net or got around the net and made a play. Uh, those are the types of things that Mike Riley brings to the table. Defensively, I think he's been better. I mean, he's still not. I mean, he is what he is defensively. But he's been a little bit better there. Um, but I think in the beginning of the year, there was some real struggle there defensively. And and I was of the of the uh, idea that maybe you dangle him in a deal if you could get a little bit more than you, know, than you thought you could. 
Yeah, I I feel like C is probably pretty good for him. Like you said, early in the season, I think he struggled defensively and he w- really wasn't providing much offensively. I think that's changed. I think he's been pretty dynamic the last, you know, whatever, since since January 1 when the Bruins kind of went on that that little winning streak. He's been much better. Uh, he looked dangerous tonight. Like, he's he was flying tonight. Um, mm. it, it, you know, just right. some unfortunate bounces where they couldn't, couldn't really cash in. They had full, you know, over 40 shots. So they really carried the play for much of the game and, and, uh, really sad, you know, Jari kind of stole that one from him. Uh, right. but he's been, he's been, um, much better of late. Derek Forbort, I had at a B minus probably should have been a C plus. I think he's been a little bit better lately. He's been a little more solid tonight. He wasn't very good. Um, but I think for the most part, he's sort of come into his own as a, as a steady defenseman for them. He had some offense early. You won't get much more of that from him, but I think defensively he's been okay. Yeah, I thought early in the season he was pretty good. Uh, then he went kind of through a lull in the middle of the season, and then kind of when the rest of the team picked it up again in January, he kind of picked it up too. He's been better lately. He's been pretty good on the penalty kill. I mean, he kind of is what he is. He's a stay-at-home guy who's, you know, like you said, not going to give you much offensively. Um, so I think... You know, for a free agent signing, he's been kind of what you would have expected, I think, kind of in that, you know, average-ish range. Uh, Brandon Carlo, I had it a C. I'd probably keep it there. But I'll tell you, tonight he wasn't very good, and and I really, I've really done a 180 on Carlo. I used to think that they had to keep him, re-sign him, steady defenseman. You know, they need more like him. But, man, I just don't know. He just hasn't been great, and I just, we talked about it last week, too. Maybe he's just not that good. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's what it is. I, I, would, say you're, I would say you're right. I mean, I think he is, has been about a C. He's been average, but for a top-four guy, you know, with his size and reach and skating ability, he should be better than that. He should be better than average. They need him to be a shutdown guy. They don't need him to be average. They need him to be a top-four shut down defenseman that I mean he's he's played against or he was when he was doing well he was playing against a lot of the times the other team's best players like they would put him out there against Ovechkin because he could you know do pretty well against him so sure. he needs to get back to that player playing with more confidence I don't know if that's what it is uh, but he has been average and they need him to be better than that they do, and he's been, like, a lot of fumbling with the puck. He has a hard time clearing it at times. Tonight he was getting spun around, and the, the goal uh, by Crosby, he just he sort of left the post, the far post. The puck comes across, comes from behind the neck, gets back to Crosby, and now he's just really running in a circle within a two-foot diameter. And then he doesn't get there in time. It goes off his stick. I think it goes off his stick and up under the crossbar. And it just isn't, like you said, maybe it's a confidence thing. Hopefully it is. Uh, Jakob Zaborl I had as a B-minus. Obviously his, his uh, season is ending, uh, had ended with the ACL injury. I had him in a B-minus. I thought that he really started to get a good rhythm going. Uh, there were a little bit of ups and downs there, but I thought Zaboral had a pretty good year before the injury. I agree with you. I think he did have a pretty good year before the inju- injury. Uh, he was starting to come into his own. I think his last season in Providence, he played pretty well, and that kind of carried over into the early part of the season with the Bees. 
Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what they do because uh, based on his service time, he is a UFA at the end of this year. Uh, I know he's coming off an injury, but what do you do there, especially with Vakanainen that came in and, and played pretty well? Uh, you know, you had re-signed Riley, Kylo signed, Grizzlick signed, McAvoy signed. There's not a lot of room there. Do you sign him again to see what he can do? Do you just go with Vac? I mean, it's going to be interesting to see. Is is that a guy maybe you look to trade with some team, even though he's not going to be back this year, you know, take advantage of, of uh, you know, trying to get him before, um you know, and then be able to re-sign him as a as a UFA. You know, get him get his rights now, and then re-sign him before he gets to free agency. Right. It'll be interesting to see um, what they do with him. Yeah, it, it will be. Uh, Connor Clifton, I had as a big old D, <laughs> maybe D minus. Maybe I was maybe I was nice tonight. He had that really nice open ice hit, but man, he had some issues again tonight. Turn the puck over one time. The Bruins had a really good shift. Well, they looked like they had the puck in the zone for like a minute. Tons of chances, like really a great part of the game where they were just dominating the Penguins. The Penguins finally come down the other end of the ice, and Clifton has a puck and just gives it, I think it was to, to uh, Gensel. Yeah. Just gave it to him. Mm-hmm. Just gave it to him. Yeah. And then yeah. he had a shot on net. Yeah. Like, basically, t- basically tape to tape. I mean, I would, give him, I, would give him a, I would give him a D or a D minus. I mean, he hasn't been absolutely useless, so I can't fail him. But I'd love to. I'd love to fail him. Uh, but he is basically he's the seventh eighth defenseman. He shouldn't be on the ice. Yeah. Somebody else should no. be there. If somebody else was healthy, they would be. If Zaboro was healthy or Vakanainen was healthy, he wouldn't be playing. So you know, I guess that's what I'll that's what I'll go to. Uh, I did tweet about that during the game. The Bruins had were buzzing, had were all over the Penguins. The puck comes back out to center ice into the Bruins' end, and then he just passes it directly to Gensel in the in the neutral zone. And then the Penguins have like a forty-five minute shift in the Bruins uh, minute <laughs> second shift in the Bruins' end. After that, right. it seemed like forty-five like minutes. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, he's just he's just he is what he is. He can hit a little bit. And uh, not do much else, right? And I and I agree. And he is seventh eighth defenseman, so I don't know why we're killing ourselves over it. He shouldn't be playing as much as he is. Right. Uh, I had John Moore as an incomplete, only seven games. He's reliable when he's in there for a couple of games there or there. Uh, you know, I have no problems with John Moore, uh, but he's only been, played seven games, so I didn't really give him a grade. Euro Vakaninen a B. I think Euro has really turned the tables. He seemed to be written off by not only the organization, but the fans and media. Mm-hmm. But he came onto the scene this year, and I think they may actually have something out of Vac. Yeah, I agree. I, I think he's been, he has been above average. I think he's played pretty well. He's, he steps up in the play, um, you know, trying to, trying to help offensively. He's good at moving the puck. He's pretty good in his own end. Um, better than Clifton, certainly. So, um, you know, he's a bottom pair guy, but, you know, they, they definitely have found something there. I think that um, having a, you know, relatively inexpensive guy there to uh, to fill out the bottom pair is a good thing, and, and he's been pretty good. Yeah, he has. Uh, all right, uh, no, chart number five is our midseason grades for the forwards, and starting with uh, Brad Marchand, and, and uh, you know, I gave him an A because I think he's been one of the best players in the league, and he does it all in all three zones, penalty kill, power play, and so forth, and you know, if you take away, 
a suspension he probably shouldn't have had and now a suspension he probably will deserve. Uh, take away those two things. Um, he's been great all year. I agree. He He's an A. He he should be a you know a hot trophy finalist if he if he didn't you know miss some games he should have been an all star i mean he's their best player they go as he goes when he's on you know they win when he's not they don't and you know didn't have any points tonight made a couple boneheaded plays and they lost so right. um you know he's the heart and soul of that team uh and and he deserves you know he deserves the the a Right. Uh, David Pasternak, I had as a B plus. He's really come on now. He's had 16 uh, goals in the last 16 games. Uh, he's shooting at 25 of just under 25%, uh, 15 goals on 61 shots in the last, in the last month. Just incredible. Um, but he's really come on strong here. So I have him as a B plus. He's got 24 goals now and a real chance at 40. Yeah, I think he's probably a B plus. He may have even worked his way into an A minus just with yeah. with how yeah. well he's played since uh, since the beginning of January. He's dynamic when when he's on and and when he's scoring goals. Uh, he's as good as anyone in the league. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Patrice Bergeron has an A minus. He's been workmanlike. Uh, he probably has lost a step, um, but he's so smart and so instinctual uh, and such a leader that uh, and Bergeron has has produced this year and, and has played pretty well. His faceoffs, I think, are at sixty three percent or so. So I had Bergeron an A minus. Yeah, he's deserving of an A minus. Uh, obviously, he's. Um leading the world in the advanced metrics for this, for the Selkie, like running away with it. Uh, so it'll be wow. interesting to see how, how that, uh, how that works out. Cause you know, they kind of have, you know, some voter fatigue, I think, you know, can't give it to the same guy over enough. and over again, but yeah. uh, he really deserves it this year. So it'll be interesting to see how that, uh, how that shakes out, but he's been one of the best 200 foot centers in the game for a long, long time. Oh, he has absolutely has, and hopefully he's okay and can and can come right back in the lineup fairly soon. Yeah, Taylor Hall, I had as a B. Um, his goals have been down some, but you know he's shown. Of course, when put with David Pasternak, it's really they've really found something there, and mm-hmm. Taylor's been better lately since he's been put with Pasternak, and uh, so I gave him a B overall. He's been, you know, he's been, I think he's been solid. Yeah, I would say he's a B, B plus. Uh, same thing. I mean, you can bump him up a little bit playing with Pasta. He had a couple of assists tonight. He's been he's been skating hard. He's been pretty dynamic once he got paired with Pasta and Haller in there too. Uh, he's been he's been the kind of the guy that you would hope that he would be when he signed signed that uh, long term extension. Yeah, no question. Uh, Charlie Coyle had as a B minus. They you know the Bruins were asking a lot of Coyle coming into the season as second line center. He's now back to third line with the emergence of Eric Haller along with Hall and Pasternak on that second line. And I think Charlie's been good, you know, for, for much of the year, much more production than he had last year, because last year was a real dialing year for him, only 16 points. Uh, but this year, Charlie's been good. He, obviously a very good puck possession guy and a really good, I've always thought, a really good third line center. Yeah, I think he's probably, you You slotted him right. He's probably a B-. minus. That's uh, his natural position should be third line center. He's he's pretty pretty good pretty well suited for there uh for that spot and um like you said the production's been much better than last year uh last year he had the knee injury that kind of hampered him a little bit but he's been really good and uh seems to have found a little chemistry with jake debrusque and and steen there too 
Absolutely. Uh, Eric Halla, I had as a B minus, probably could bump him to a B now that he's with Parsonak and Hall. Tonight he was very good again. Mm-hmm. And he's he's grinding. You know, he's he's very noticeable. And I think he's been a pretty good second line center with them. I think they could still upgrade and get a natural second line center uh, for sure. But Hall has done a real admirable job filling in there. Yeah, I think that's a good grade for him, a B, B minus. Uh, that's a good spot for him. I think he helps to balance those other two guys out because both of them are kind of offense all the time. Not mm. great defensively, especially Pasternak. Hall's a little bit better, I think, on the back check and so forth. But uh, Hall kind of fits in well, you know, retrieving pucks, you know, getting to the net, defensive responsibility, that kind of thing, third man high. He's been good there, but I would like to see, I would like to see them upgrade that that position to uh, you know, maybe see if you can find your second line center for the future. No, oh, no question about it. I think that should be what they should look for for sure. Jake DeBrusque, I had at a C plus. He might have bumped into the B minus range tonight. He was excellent. I thought. I mean, he was. He really showed. It was almost like the old Jake DeBrusque tonight where he was shift after shift, really noticeable out there and making plays offensively. Has had good chemistry with Steen, as you said, and. I think he's been pretty good for them. And obviously he still seems to be, he still wants to trade and and wants to showcase himself, but that's to the benefit of the Bruins because they're getting a really good Jake DeBrusque right now. I agree. I think DeBrusque has been good. I kind of repeated a bunch of times, but since January one, when the team kind of picked it up, uh, he picked it up along with it and, and has been, um, been really good, you know, the last, uh, handful of weeks here. And um, like you said, it only can benefit him uh, if he does end up getting the trade and the Bruins while they while they wait for the trades to, to to happen. He's been he's been dynamic. He he was flying out there tonight. He was. Craig Smith ahead of a C minus. It's been an up and down year for Smith. Thought he was okay tonight, and and he's been I think a little bit better lately. But boy, he had a disastrous start to the year, and he just hasn't been the reliable winger that they've that he was in Nashville or that he was in the beginning of his career here with the Bruins. And I think they need more from Craig Smith going forward. They do need more from him. Uh, I think C minus is probably good, probably fair. He's just not producing like he has in the past and, and you need him to score goals. I mean, it's good that he has the energy and hunts pucks and, and retrieves pucks and, and things like that. But you really need him to start scoring goals. I don't know if it's just him taking a little time to get used to playing with Bergeron and Marchand, but they need more out of him for sure. Yeah, I agree. Curtis Lazar have as a C. Uh, lately, he's been pretty good. Lazar, much, you know, much better than he was in the beginning of the year. You know, he's a good, hardworking, bottom six center winger type player that you can slot in and, you know, he grinds and he forechecks well. And when he's on, he's, he's just making things happen and grinding. And I think, you know, Lazar has been okay for them. Yeah. I think he, I think that's a fair grade. He has been, he has been good and he has been, you know, better as the year has gone on. He grinds, he's versatile so he can, you know, play wing, he can play center. Yeah. I I like what he's kind of brought to the table, especially lately. Thomas Nosek I had as a B. Beginning of the year, Nosek really jumped onto the scene, was one of the better signings they had, I thought. You know, flattened out a little bit, uh, but I thought tonight again he was pretty good. Uh, he's He's been pretty reliable. Uh, he, he makes some things happen out there. His production has sort of, you know, evened out some. And he started out, um, you know, providing some offensive production. I would like to get back to to getting a little bit more from him on the score sheet. But overall, I think Nosek's plays him pretty good. 
Yeah, he's been really consistent overall, I think, this year. He kills penalties now, too, a little bit. Uh, He was providing a little more offense early in the season. That has kind of waned a little bit lately. It would be nice to see him, you know, kind of get back on the score sheet a little bit. Uh, Mm -hmm. It seemed like he had a little bit of chemistry with Bleed, but maybe he can develop something with uh, with Felino came in at the left wing tonight. And I thought Felino was pretty good tonight. He, he was noticeable. Yeah. He had, he had some good chances. He was hitting some people. So, um, you know, maybe no second Felino and, and Lazar can kind of develop something on that fourth line. Yeah. Uh, and you mentioned Felino. I had him at a D it has been really a difficult year for Nick Felino. Uh, not a lot of production at all. He was out of the lineup. Some, but like you said, if you get more of what he did tonight, I think this grade could change in the second half. But the first half wasn't great for for Nick. No, I, I he hasn't been good, and and you know he had the injuries, and it, it took him a long time to score his first goal. So uh, he was kind of fighting it early on, but but he has been better lately as the team's gone. Uh, he's been a little bit better. So uh, hopefully things will pick up for him, and and he can develop some of that chemistry on the fourth line and and chip in some more. Yeah, Antoine Bleed had a C. I had him in a C. Uh, you know, he hits, he grinds. Uh, he, like you said, he had some chemistry with Nosek. Um, it's it's what you're going to get from Bleed. He's not going to provide any offense much at all, um, and he hasn't much in his career at all. But if he can hit and grind and make some things happen, you know, create some turnovers, get to the net, uh, then that's the best you're going to get from Bleed. Yeah, I thought he was. I thought he's been fine. If he hits and causes turnovers, you know, creates some power play opportunities chips in occasionally. I mean, that's really all you're looking for from a, from a fourth yeah. line guy. Just don't fuck anything up. And right. You know. <laughs> right. Yeah. Speaking of fourth line is fucking it up. Trent Frederick was a D plus. Uh, I had him a D plus because he has had a fight or two here or there. Yeah. He did, you know, play a little bit better before he was injured. He's been injured and now he's better in practicing and still not back in the lineup. I think that might change soon here, especially with Marchand and Bergeron maybe being out together. Uh, but Frederick, a D plus, he doesn't provide enough of what fans have been clamoring for or think he's capable of. And that's being sort of a pesky, you know, fight a guy, protect the teammates. There's been occasions when he hasn't done it. He just doesn't do enough to balance out the fact that he is absolutely an abysmal offensive player. I would agree with you. I don't I don't think he I don't think he really brings much to the table. He's not a great skater. You know, I think he's better suited to play center. They really don't have a spot for him at center. He's not a great winger, I don't think. He's not great along the wall. He's not sticking up for teammates when he should, like the Bergeron thing earlier in the season. And some guys take runs at people, and, you know, he's not really doing it. So he doesn't really do as much as everybody thinks he does. And he, doesn't. And he, he doesn't. gets a lot of love from one fight early in his career. And right. can we stop? harping back to that and maybe watch what's going on now and realize that he's not very good. Right. I mean, he's a fan favorite and I don't know why, like, it's not like he's PJ stock. It's the, it's the Wilson thing. He fought Tom Wilson and he held his own or beat him. Great. Great. Yeah. But I mean, that was two years ago. (laughs) Right. So now, now he's not doing anything. And Tom Wilson was in the all-star game. Come on. The fact that he skates like a baby deer has no bearing on his on the fans' uh, perception of him. And then finally, Oscar Steen, a B, 
I think he's been, you know, okay lately. Uh, I think he, he came in and started to play well early. Uh, I think there's something there with Steen, you know, as a bottom six guy. He has some speed, has some, you know, has some jam. Can Today he, he got right to the net. He, he's shown some chemistry with DeBrusque. So uh, I think Steen's been pretty good and, and, and has some potential, I think. I think so. I think he's a pretty good bottom six uh, player. I think he will provide some offense. He does have some chemistry with DeBrusque. He does go hard to the net. He's not afraid to go to the dirty areas where you score goals. You know, I like what I've seen from him. And, you know, they could use more guys like that in their bottom six for sure. No question. All right. And uh, chirp number six, midseason grades for the goalies. We'll start with Tuka Rask I had as an incomplete. He'd only played four games. And now looks like he's going to stop the comeback attempt and retire. It's too bad it ended this way for him. Because he's, you know, he had 308 wins, 50, I think it was 56 more wins than the second place guy in Tiny Thompson. Tremendous career, won a cup as a backup in 11, two cup runs in 13 and 19 with, with the Bruins as the starter. You know, we'll always have those, those critics about him that he didn't win the big one or that he, um, that it may have uh, not shown up in big games and so forth and his personality and laissez-faire kind of kind of personality wasn't great with some people in Boston who like more blue collar guys, but he's a supremely talented goaltender and elite goaltender for a while for the Bruins and probably the best goaltender ever. Yeah, I would say he's probably the best goaltender in Bruins history. I think he probably is. If he was on some of those teams that, you know, Jerry Cheevers was on, he would have won cups too. So it's just the circumstances of, of him and his personality I don't know. I feel like goalies need to be that way. Like Roberto mm-hmm. Luongo is kind of a goof. Like Marty right. Brodeur does national car rental commercial. Like the goalies yeah. are a weird bunch. Was Hank Lundquist was playing guitar? Yeah, yeah I mean, you, like, yeah. you can't take their personalities and be like, well, he doesn't care. Well, I mean, right. he's a goalie. Like if he cared every time he got scored on, he'd be a fucking puddle. Yeah, you yeah. can't have that. So I think that's all overblown. And I think, you know, he had a fantastic career with the Bruins. He probably has a decent shot of getting into the Hall of Fame, I would think. 300-something sure, wins. His stats are pretty ungodly. Yeah. I, think he, I think he's definitely in. I think he's... I would vote for him. I think he's definitely in. I mean, maybe he doesn't get in, but I, I would be surprised if he doesn't. The save percentage is real high, and I mean, I, I think he's I think he's in. I think he's top 10, top 15 ever in save percentage, ever. I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's in. And then Linus Allmark, I had at a B minus. He went on that stretch where he won. He went like ten and one in eleven games, and you know, I started to play pretty well again early on. Not making a big save here or there, but we've been, you know, look, <laughs> we've been spoiled with Tuka Rask being an elite goaltender who made it look easy a lot. Mm-hmm. Like he made it look easy a yep. lot uh, with the way he positioned himself, and he just was very calm. He made. Tough saves look easy. So now we have goaltenders who are a little more pedestrian. And, and a guy like Almark, I think, has been pretty good. I mean, but I think, and Cassie said it today, they need goalies to, you know, to make the big save because they're not perfect. Yeah, I, I thought Almark started off the year slow. He was hurt at the end of the year in Buffalo. So that kind of, um, you know, maybe led to him having a little bit of slow start. He also came over to a new team, was a new system, getting used to where the shots were coming from with the Bruins, probably a little bit different. He wasn't making the saves early on that he needed to make. But as the year's gone on, you know, he's been pretty good. So I think 
you know, he has been above average. So I think B, B minus is probably a good spot for him. And uh, Jeremy Swain went ahead as a C mi- C plus. You know, he had another, he had a C minus type of game tonight, I thought. I mean, that second goal should not have scored. You know, he just, again, it's about making the big save when the, when the club needs it. You know, after that goal by Heinen, the first goal by Heinen, you're dominating play. You give up a goal off a bad giveaway. You can't give up another bad goal right after no. to tie the game. You can't do that. No. I mean, you have to stand on your head a little bit because you know the team has lost some momentum because they gave away the bad goal. Now you give up another bad goal on your own merit. That's not good enough. No, that wasn't even a stand on your head type no. situation. No. Like you just need to make an easy save and control yeah. the rebound. Yeah. That's one of that been one of his problems all year is rebound control. Um, is, yeah. I think he has been average. He hasn't been good against good teams. That was one of the one of the reasons why you know they sent him down. He's he was one in six at the time against good teams, playoff teams. You know Pittsburgh's a playoff team. Didn't win tonight. Didn't look great tonight. So that's something that he really needs to straighten out if he's going to want the net more than than Allmark. Right now, Allmark's your one, Swayman's your two, and I would treat it that way. I think Allmark should get the majority of the starts going forward, and then when he needs a, a rest, Swayman goes in. But unless Swayman starts playing better, that's the way you're going to have to do it. You have to be playing well to beat the guy making $5 million a year. I don't care what anybody says. Like the, the team, the team is going to lean if you're, if you're even. They're going to pay the guy they're paying the money to. So they're paying Allmark $5 million a year, then... Swayman has to be really good to be the number one guy. He he went down to Providence. It wasn't great there either. So now you start to wonder, like, is this guy as good as maybe people thought he was as a young prospect? He, I think he's a good goalie, and I think he could still get there. And you don't really want to jump the gun on him because he is young. But he hasn't really responded to being sent down in the whole Tuka Rask situation. Maybe now that Rask is out of the picture, maybe he can settle and say, okay, I'm on the roster. I'm at least the backup. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get some play every three, four games, or whatever it is, four games, and that'll be fine. So maybe he can settle in now, hopefully. All right, chirp number seven. Is this Bruins team still good enough with a couple of additions to make a cup run? Mike Milbury on EEI says the Bruins are on crack if they think so. I kind of tend to agree with Mike. I don't know if you can just grab a second-line center and a defenseman. I guess it depends who it is and say that they're good enough to win when you look at some of the other rosters around the league. Colorado, Carolina, Florida, Tampa Bay, Toronto. I mean, there's a bunch of teams. The East is stacked this year. So it's going to be really difficult to come out of the East. And then to top it all off, you lose your best goaltender in history to retirement, it looks like. Mm -hmm. And now you have Olmark and Swayman, who are both unproven, never played in the playoffs before. So to think that they're going to all of a sudden go on some kind of a magical run is is uh not really probably going to happen. <laughs> no, no. And, and look, if Patrice Burge runs out for any length of time and then you lose Marsha and say you lose Marsha in three or four games with suspension and you're sort of still in the 500 range where you're playing 500 hockey, it'll be interesting to see what they do. If they really take a swing at it or if they say, look, Rask is retired, Krejci's gone, Bergeron's in the last year of his deal. Do we really try to mortgage the future if they have any future in the system do you really try to mortgage the future to try to make a one last attempt at a run that probably isn't there anyway i mean you have to make a really smart decision and it might be a decision that the fan base doesn't love you know and i i think that this team is not good enough to win the cup they're certainly not good enough in the goaltender they're certainly not good enough in defensemen to win grinding series against talented teams maybe one of them but 
went into the second and third series. No, they just don't have enough there. And I don't know if one or two additions is going to make a hill of beans difference. Now, if you can make a move like for JT Miller, who signed for another year after this year, and you can convince him to stay that type of deal, then yeah, I'd make that deal because you can change your roster a little bit Mm -hmm. and add a piece for the future. But if you're just going on get rentals now for, for assets, I don't know if that's that smart. I don't think it is that smart. But we'll see what they do. I think they'll probably do what they've always done at the deadline. You know, they'll get a couple of depth guys and roll the dice and see if they can get hot and, you know, win some series. All right. Time now to check in on our whipping boys. whipping boy segment is where we look at the two guys we each have a guy who we kind of whip on all season long just a guy that we love because he's a Bruin but he gets under our skin and I have Trent Frederick he has practiced lately he's still out of the lineup they haven't put him in the lineup but now that Bergeron and Marsha may be out of the lineup you may see Trent Frederick back in the lineup yeah uh congratulations to Trent for possibly getting into the lineup that'll be super exciting um (laughs) He's not a, really an NHL player, and neither is Connor Clifton. He's a seventh or eighth defenseman. Connor Clifton mm-hmm. is my whiffing boy with the back injury. Mm-hmm. Clifton was back in against the Penguins tonight. He was not very good. He got outbattled in front by Evan Rodriguez on the second goal that uh, Heinen scored. Rodriguez kind of was, uh, it was kind of a screen, but not really, where he was in there and kind of knocking around at the puck and causing some havoc. Clifton didn't get him out of there, so that wasn't good. He had one good hit, four hits overall, two blocks, and a minus one. Congratulations, dude. Yeah, Clifton had that turnover, too, to, to Gensel. That it was just, it changed the moment. It took away the momentum that they just gained with a really great shift where they were in the Penguin zone for like a minute. And then he came down, and as soon as it got in the Bruins zone, he gave it right to Gensel. And that caused a 45-second shift for the Penguins in the in the Boston zone. Just not good enough and just too erratic for me is Connor Clifton. Okay, uh, the beauties and benders segment. We have three beauties and three benders. My three beauties. Number three, Eric Holla. You know, Alla Holla was very good tonight. And, uh, again, he's playing with Hall and Pasternak, and he's really been a good, and I think you had it right, he's a good complement to them, the way he plays. Uh, a little more defensive. He's pretty good on the dot, and I think Hall was pretty good tonight. He was. I so, agree. Yeah. So, number two, I have Jake DeBrusque. I thought DeBrusque was really good tonight. Like, I thought he was very noticeable, had some chances, set up some chances for, for his line mates. I, I thought he was really, really good. Made some nice passes, <clears throat> some nice plays in the neutral zone. He was really good. And then number one, David Pasternak, he's hot as a firecracker. Two more goals, 16 and 16 games, 24 in the season. Pasta number one, beauty. Yeah, Pasta was excellent tonight. So my beauties uh, this week, I had Nick Foligno at number three coming back into the lineup off injury. I thought he was noticeable tonight. He played well in the fourth line, had some chances, had some hits. I thought he was good tonight. Number two, I had Patrice Bergeron. He had an assist tonight. I thought he was good. He was excellent on the faceoff top before he got hurt. So hopefully he's fine. Uh, they cannot afford to miss him for any uh, length of time or they will be in trouble. And my number one beauty tonight, I had Taylor Hall. He had a couple of assists tonight. I had a great pass to Pasta on the uh, one-timer to get the first goal. And then um, he was all around it, had a three-on-one where he had the shot that Pasta batted in out of the air for his second goal. So... They were flying tonight. They were good. So 
it's yeah. good to see him kind of uh, providing some more offense, and and they need that from him going forward. All right, the Benders, my Benders, number three <laughs> is Brad Marchand. Face, you're a neo maxi zoom dweeby. You know, Marchand lost his cool and is going to cost the team. Uh, he's going to cost himself some games probably in a suspension again. Uh, can't afford to not have Brad Marchand, especially now where they're in the middle of pack. This is a really, really important time of the season in the schedule. There are three, you know, they have Carolina coming up and then they have an Ottawa team was playing much better. And then the Rangers are pretty good on the road. So this is not a time to lose Brad Marchand. I thought he wasn't great during the game itself. And he just started, he just seemed to get distracted with his little feud with Jari. And it cost him. So I, I, I thought Marchand was a bender tonight. Number two, Derek Forbort. Face you're a neo-maxi Zoom dweeby. I didn't think Derek was that good. I think he has been good up until the break, uh, you know, for the most part. Uh, tonight, he wasn't wasn't good at all. Uh, the goal uh, that Crosby scored, the eventual winner, was was a train wreck between Forboard and, and Carlo. And didn't think he was that great tonight at all. And then my number one bender is Brandon Carlo. Face you're a neo-maxi Zoom dweeby. Not sure what happened with Brandon, but he just isn't playing great. And you wonder if this is really what he is. And uh, he's running around a little bit. He has a really hard time clearing the puck at times. Doesn't look as 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 good of a skater as he was. Maybe some injuries and some wear and tear is wearing on him. But Carlo wasn't great tonight at all. No, I, I, he wasn't. And, uh, you know, that's unfortunate. Uh, my, <laughs> my three benders. I, uh, number three, I have Sidney Crosby. Face, you're a neo-maxi Zoom dweeby. Our first non-Bruin to get the Bruins benders. We should start giving them out to the other team more often, I think. Uh, Crosby accidentally, we'll give him, uh, accidentally tripped Patrice Bergeron, sending Bergeron flying into the boards, smacked his head on the boards. He has a concussion history, so hopefully he is fine and that wasn't uh, a concussion and Bergeron will be back. The next game, he also scored a goal against the Bruins, the uh, the game-winning goal on the power play. So Sidney Crosby is a bender to me because uh, he made the Bruins lose and he hurt Patrice Bergeron. So shame on you, Sidney Crosby. My number two bender is Connor Clifton. Face, you're a neo-maxi Zoom dweeby. Because when he is in the lineup, he is a bender. My number one bender is Brad Marchand. Face, you're a neo-maxi Zoom dweeby. You can't, as the... One of the leaders of the team, you can't take yourself out of the game and hurt the team like he hurt the team tonight at the end of the game because that's probably going to cost them some games. And if they lose those games, those are points that they won't get back, obviously. And uh, he needs to be better than that. He has been better than that, but this was uh, this was a bad a bad play, a bad couple of plays, and uh, you know it's going to cost him and and you know probably cost the Bruins. Hopefully not, but probably will. And I think it will, and that's and that's really like you said as a leader. And he knew that Bergeron was hurt, so again, right. so now you now you don't know his status. Like you can't do that to the team, and that's something. And it's and I'll tell you, it's the one thing that gives me caution when I think of Brad Marchand as a great player. Like I want to love him, but I I think it's tempered by sometimes he just does some foolish things, whether it's a trying to make a play that's not there or those are minor things. But then this type of thing, selfish, selfish play. It tempers me. I, I want him to be one of my favorite players, but he just is in that second level with me because I don't, I just don't trust him. 
sometimes, and this is a case uh, of that. All right, it is time now for the top seven Bruins Benders podcast power rankings. Number seven, the team that beat the Bruins tonight. The Penguins jumped back into the top seven. They are now at 64 points with tonight's win, second place tie with the Rangers. Number six, the Wild stay there at 8-1-1. One, one. They were playing the Jets tonight and down one nothing late. 8-1-1 uh, one, one in their last 10 leading up to tonight. Had one five in a row. Not sure what happened with the Jets game, but they stay at six. Number five, the Maple Leafs jump up two spots. They beat Carolina last night and continue to have a really good season. And I'm not sure if this is the year that the Leafs finally break through, but they seem to be playing pretty consistent hockey. Number four, the Carolina Hurricanes. They stay the same, although they did lose to the Senators tonight, 4-3. to three. The Senators win back-to-back games right out of the gate here in the second half. And then number three, the Lightning stay there, 7-2 and 1 in their last 10. The Avalanche, second place. They stay there, 9-0-1 in their last 10. And then the Panthers also stay the same. They are in the first in the Atlantic, and they are a juggernaut, as are the Avalanche. So there's your top seven Bruins Brenders podcast for power rankings. And now for the bottom three, Bruins Benders Power Less Rankings. rankings. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) We have uh, number 30, the New Jersey Devils, who are 2-8 and in their last 10. They had lost seven in a row uh, until they beat Montreal Uh, (laughs) 7-1. Montreal, (laughs) holy fuck. I read seriously. Uh, Arizona is... Number 31. They're minus <laughs> 70 goal differential. Just out there. Just out there. I mean, just floating exactly. around. They almost beat the Bruins, games. though. They almost beat the Bruins last good. week uh, yeah. before the All-Star break. So, uh, yeah, Arizona at 31. They are absolutely terrible. But number 32, your Montreal Canadiens. <laughs> they still have eight wins. <laughs> they still eight have wins. eight wins. They've lost yeah. seven in a row. They have a minus 79 Goal differential. Yeah, wow. They lost seven to one to New Jersey. They are an yeah. absolute mess. I feel like they're going to be looking to sell everyone. Everybody. Everyone. Yeah. And I would too. Everyone on the roster yeah. is for sale. No doubt. Complete rebuild there. Yeah. And I'll tell you, they've had some bad drafts over the years that have really led to this. Like, if you look at some of their drafts, they had some bad ones. You know, they had some real swings and misses. Losing to the Devils 7-1, Devils are 30th. Like, the I Devils know. are in the bottom three. Right. And you're losing them 7-1. The Devils had lost seven in a row, and you're losing them 7-1. That's porous. I think it was at home. In Montreal, really? I think it was in Montreal. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was it was as bad as bad can be. Like it's bad, and uh, like you said, I think they need to. Uh, Jeff Gordon's going to be he's going to be open for business. He's going to be open for business, looking to looking to deal with with everybody there, and and they should because that's that's ridiculously bad. It's really bad, and you know, and I'll tell you when we started this podcast, you had said no matter how good they are, they're going to be thirty two. Mm-hmm. Well. They're 32 anyway. Yeah. They've kind of played down to what I thought they should be the whole year, which is, you know, tremendous. Even if they had gone 81 and one, I still would have had them last because they're the Montreal Canadiens and I hate them and that's where they belong to me. So they will always be number 32 in our power rankings. Even if they were Tampa Bay and they were the back-to-back Stanley Cup champions, they would be last. I would just make up a reason for them to be last. And but here they are with eight wins on the season, and Josh Anderson coming back from missing over a month, and still tied for the team leading goals. I mean, just unbelievable, just unbelievable. It's they lost seven one at home. They are eight thirty and seven on the season. They lost at home by six goals to the Devils. Oh my god! Wow, 
They have the ninth worst. They have the ninth worst goal share of all NHL teams since 1967. Wow. Goals for at 35.8 percent. And so not only are they bad. 36.9. Not only are they bad, they're historically bad. Historically bad. Wow. Tremendous. I love it. Historically bad. The worst is 1975 Washington Capitals. The goals for percentage was 28.9. Yeah. So those are the uh, bottom three Bruins benders powerless rankings. Congratulations to the Montreal Canadiens for owning that bottom spot. Terrific. Uh, All right. Week ahead for the Bruins and now... With the status of Patrice Bergeron unknown, and also Brad Marchand headed for a hearing. February 10th versus the Carolina Hurricanes, who have lost a couple in a row here, but still a very good team who have handled the Bruins very easily in the two meetings so far this season. Then February 12th at the Ottawa Senators, who have won a couple in a row out of the gate here in the uh, after the break. That's in Ottawa. And then February 15th at the New York Rangers, who are at 64 points, tied for second with the Penguins in the Metro. So the Rangers are a good Good hockey club with Chris Kreider, the goals leader. That's that's a tough stretch. I mean, Carolina, like you said, has handled them. Ottawa, two wins coming out of the uh, all-star break. The Rangers are good and and always seem to play the Bruins pretty tough. So that's a a real tough stretch. And if you're without Pergeron and Marchand for that stretch, there's a very good chance you're looking at 0-3, 1-2. And and, uh, that's not where you're looking to be at this uh, juncture of the season. No, no way. Not at all. All right, Bender's Poll. We have a Bruins Bender's Poll every week, and it's on Twitter. You can follow us at Bruins Bender's. This week it was, do you watch the NHL All-Star Game? Yes or no? Yes went in at 47% and no at 53%. So very even, pretty much. Uh, Split down 50, the middle. 50. I do watch. I mean, we we do a podcast that's hockey-related, yeah. so I, f- I feel a little <laughs> bit. Watch. Yeah, I feel a little bit like we should watch. I didn't watch all of it. I watched the Atlantic game because I wanted to see Bergeron. That was the one I paid the most attention to. He scored a goal, so that was cool. But uh, it's just not great hockey. We've talked about it before. I think it should be more of a skills-based thing. Or like you said, if you want to move the game outside and make make it more of a pond hockey, we've talked in the past about possibly having it where you pick four captains and let them pick the teams, let them pick the players, do kind of a fantasy draft type of thing where uh, you don't have to have a player from every team. That's another thing. So there's some ways that they could spice it up do something a little bit differently that maybe would create a little more excitement around the game mic guys up during the game try some different things but as of right now it's not really worth watching no it isn't and uh i think they do need to make some changes i think across the board in professional sports it's just it's time you know to get rid of the all-star games or at least change your all-star festivities and showcase your all-stars in a different way rather mm-hmm. than some fruitless, awful game that's not anywhere near a sample of what your game is. I think it's pretty much an embarrassment. We wanted to say we appreciate all of our listeners on the Bruins Benders podcast. We've done very well since we joined the Inside the Rink podcast network. And we have listeners from 44 states, 44 states in 31 countries. I think it's 46 states now. I think it is 46 states yeah, now. 46 states in 31 countries. It's pretty damn cool. 40. It is pretty damn cool. Pretty damn cool. So we want people to get on the horn and call your friends from Wyoming, Montana, West Virginia, and Hawaii. <laughs> yeah. We want to get on the horn with those folks so we can get to 50 states. Yeah, we, we got to get all 50. Yeah. If you know anybody in any of those states, give them a ring. Tell them to throw the podcast on for a couple of minutes. Shoot us a line. Drop us an email. And follow yeah. us on Twitter, whatever. Yeah, we need all 50 states. I mean, we're not going to get all the countries, but we need all 50 states. So uh, find your friends in those, uh, the far reaches of the, uh, of the earth. <laughs> and Absolutely. Tell, tell them to, uh, tell them to hey, listen. We want to also thank our, uh, say hello to our Canadian friends. 
because about 25% of our listenership is from Canada, all over Canada. So there's some Bruins fans out in Canada. There is. There is. Happy that you guys are listening. We appreciate yeah. you. Canada women had a big uh, big win over USA in the uh, Olympic yeah, prelim- right. prelims last night. Yeah. 4-2 win. So uh, congrats to you yeah. Canadians. But but we're going to get you in the gold medal game. So don't <laughs> yeah, you worry about that. It. Yeah, no question. <laughs> uh, hey, rate and review for charity. $1. Every rate and review, $1 we send to the Bruins Foundation. Review it on Apple Podcasts or a rating on Spotify. They have ratings now on Spotify. Uh, so go ahead and do that. Uh, and go to InsideTheRink.com for Bruins Benders merchandise. We have hoodies and T-shirts, also some great articles. Myself included, write some of those articles. You do it. So go ahead and uh, view those and uh, and take a look at InsideTheRink.com is your place for NHL insight and analysis and great articles and other podcasts from around the league. So check out InsideTheRink.com. We appreciate everybody listening. Episode 15, Marchand versus Jerry. And hopefully Marchand will play some hockey this week. Hey, everybody, have a great week. Thanks a lot. Mm, Bye-bye.